Roughly 45% of school children in Washington state are designated as people of color, but there's only about 10% diversity among teachers and school administrators. This is not a new problem, and universities are certainly not just now working on solutions. But thanks to being the first recipient of the George Brain and Gay Selby Faculty Award in Educational Leadership, Catherine Rodella from WSU Vancouver is working to bridge that diversity gap. Education Eclipse starts now. Education, news, and research. These are the conversations happening inside education, athletic training, sports science, and sport management that are going to transform each. It's Education Eclipse from Washington State University. Back here on Education Eclipse, I'm Brandon Chapman, and I'm joined by Catherine Rodella from our WSU Vancouver campus. And Catherine has just won the George Brain <laughs> and Gay Selby Faculty Award in Educational Leadership. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me, and you're the first to get this. Yes, thank you for having me, Brandon. Uh, yeah, I am the first to get the Brain and Selby Faculty Award in Educational Leadership, so it's very exciting. Now, a lot of people might not know who George Brain was because he was a dean here many, many, many years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. Gay Selby, however, she just recently retired. So many folks know Gay Selby, especially over in Vancouver in that area because she had such a, an influence on a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the educational leadership and administration over there. So before we dive mm -hmm. in, just tell me a little bit about your interactions with Gay Selby because it's a lot more current and um, how how meaningful it was to win something that had her namesake on it. it it's super meaningful. I mean, it's, it's really um, an honor to have something with her name on it. Um, she is a pioneer in the state of Washington. She was the first female superintendent in all of the state of Washington. And she really has a reach across the state. She's taught uh, students all over the place um, in eastern Washington and rural communities and western Washington and big cities. Um, we used to joke when we were colleagues, you know, she, we would uh, be teaching in our superintendent certification program together. And while I would get in a plane and fly over to Spokane or Pullman to teach, uh, Gay would drive. And part of the reason she would drive these long distances is because she stops along the way and um, connects with old students of hers and schools across the state. So she's just uh, a pioneer and to me, a, really a rock star in educational leadership. And um, I'm really grateful to basically at the end of the last few years, three years of her career or the first three years of my career. And so that overlap really is meaningful for me. So I'm just super excited and honored by that, by the fact that the award bears her name. This award, it's very meaningful. It's not going to make you rich. It's 3500 bucks. It's <laughs> yeah. almost like seed money. But I think the it outcome, yes. hopefully, will be much greater than just that, that, that total, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it could be very meaningful as well. So let's talk mm -hmm. about the research that is, is coming out of this. You had cited to me when we had talked earlier that about 40% of Washington State students are students of color or culturally mm -hmm. or linguistically diverse. And I've heard this or, or numbers that are very similar to this, uh, mm -hmm. but, but educators are much, much less than that 40%. So talk about that, mm -hmm. that societal challenge we have. Well, yeah, I mean there, and actually that's, that's a pretty, 40% is a really conservative number. It's, it's getting closer to 45. Um, and uh, but it depends also in the district. So some districts have much higher numbers of students of color and indigenous students. Um, the teachers, um, you know, are by, by like around 10% and as well as um, the principal 
and administrators in schools. And one of the reasons, uh, you know, we've been really thinking about that from a, a research standpoint, but also I think folks in practice are really thinking about the importance of diversifying both the teacher and, and leadership workforce and administrative workforce is there is a, a difference when um, students see themselves reflected in the classroom see somebody who looks like them, who's leading the school, or just someone who has a different background. And so um, part of the reason, and, and it's hard to say, because I think a lot of folks want to quantify it. We want to, you know, measure it. Like, what, what does that even mean? Um, but in my work, what I've found, and I've done previous work with um, Latino uh, administrators, is there's a shared cultural understanding. Um, sometimes it's language. Sometimes it means something when you can speak the language where the students come from, but oftentimes it's just understanding the families uh, a little differently, seeing their diversity of strengths, and um, as well as you know trying to understand what school might feel like for them. So a lot of the folks in some of my previous research, and I'm in guessing also in, for this study, will be people that were born and raised in Washington State or in the Pacific Northwest, and they will know what it feels like to be in schools here and the ways in which our schools have diversified over time. Um, so for example, for me, I was a Latina teacher in Oregon and um, I was the only person, like I, I was, there's maybe three people of color in the whole high school that I taught at and um, in the administrative position, not administrative position, but in the, the staff. And um, I remember uh, what that, that meant a lot of times families would come to me for help with things that I had nothing to do with, right? And I'd have to say, no, well, we need, you need to talk to the principal, but like, no, please come with us. Like, so part of it, there's this advocacy role too, um, but th those connections can, can be really meaningful for community members too, to say that like, we belong here. We're part of this place too. Well, and thank you for taking it to the next step anyway, because I didn't mm -hmm. want to just quantify it. I wanted to make it real. The way you said Latino, obviously you knew a little something about that. Um, <laughs> before you were ever a teacher, though, you've been mm -hmm. a student in that situation. Mm -hmm. So talk about about those feelings of, of isolation or mm -hmm. growing up in a situation where you, you didn't necessarily have people who, who could truly understand whether they wanted to try or not. Yeah, I mean, so... Part of it is, I think a lot about the changes that have happened with the Latino community in the Pacific Northwest. So both, and, and I think it's important to talk about both Washington and Oregon because folks move around, right? So folks might go, the migration patterns that come up from Texas or California, um, you have people who are coming from Mexico, Central America, obviously migrating to the United States, but you also have folks who are in their second, third generation. They were born in the U.S., uh, the their grandparents might have been born in the U.S. I mean, they have long, longer roots, but they're coming up to new job opportunities or areas that have not traditionally been home to Latino persons. And so that tends to be um, a lot of the Pacific Northwest. I, I call it a, a new Latino a diaspora location, right? We've seen this, this kind of jump in the population. And, that's, um, and then we also see the increase of multiracial people. So anyway, I was, my family was a part of that. I grew up in schools and, and um, in the Northwest and both in, in Washington and in, um, in Oregon. And um, I remember the question that you get, not from initially teachers, but from kids. What are you? Like kids <laughs> who are like, I'm, I don't even know what you are. And you're like, what does that mean? And then you realize, oh, they want to know about my racial background. And I think there's two really big things that motivate my work. Um, one is that I will never forget being in third grade 
and having a kid ask me that question, what are you? And then always being a good student, always, always kind of been like a little nerdy kid, you know, like, I think that's like, <laughs> I can see that. I can like, see hello, that. right? Um, but he's, I remember I said, well, I'm Mexican. My family's Mexican American. He's like, no, you're not Mexican. You're too, you're too smart to be Mexican. Oh. Right. And I remember being like, what, what does that even mean? You know, so like a stereotype or something that Mexicans aren't smart. And that he didn't, it wasn't like he was racist, like he was my friend, right? But I remember thinking like, whoa, I didn't know that that was a thing, or I didn't know that there was negative stereotypes about people like me. Um, because I just didn't have a lot, you know, besides my family, I didn't have a lot of other Latinos around me in the schools I was growing up in. If you have stereotypes like, you know, the lazy drunk Mexican or like with the big sombrero, right? Like, I mean, those are things that we see in the media. Uh, sometimes I think less now, but back in, you know, the seventies and eighties, I, I don't know. And so I think one of the things is that, um, if, if you, if you don't see folks that, that, that are role models, I mean, like my parents are amazing. Um, but if you don't see folks that are, you know, teachers that look like you or doctors or lawyers that look like you, you don't actually think that you can, that that's where you're supposed to go. Um, and, and so being, um, to me, that, that it means a lot to have gotten a higher education, to be able to go to college, and, and then they get my doctorate. I mean, I didn't even know what that, a PhD was. Even when I was in college, I didn't even know what that was. And so, um, and I never had someone that looked like me. And my first um, Latino teacher was uh, actually a professor in college up in Seattle, and she was a Spanish teacher. And I remember being like, oh, like, I just, it, it, it kind of, it, she really made an impression on me um, because I remember seeing her be so proud of who she was. Like, I always felt like to fit in, I had to make sure I didn't have an accent, that I spoke English really well, that people really could see that I was smart and see me off for my own merits instead of like, wow, she's a smart Mexican girl or whatever. <laughs> you know, that I, I felt like that that I had to prove something. And so, um, yeah, so I think that I don't, I don't want kids to have those burdens. I want them to see them, that they can be who they are and not have to worry about those kinds of stereotypes. And, and one way to think about it is that do they have those role models? Are they, you know, and, and I think that's one of the main reasons for me, it's, it's so personal. Um, but also when I'm talking to folks, like in my, in my previous work, I was working with Latino administrators and there, you have a shared understanding. And I have a lot of times in my interviews where folks were, um, you know, they break down, they say, you know, something really racist happened to me or unintentionally racist or a teacher said some comment, and um, it stays with people, right? You know, 30, 20 years later, and it, it helps, you don't want kids to go through what you might have gone through. So I think that's a, a big part of why I do the work I do now. Um, and also thinking about like, you know, that little third grade girl, right, who I used to be and saying like, of course you can be smart. You can be whoever you are and be smart and be successful. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's part of the story of it too. Thank you very much for sharing that, that personal story. Mm -hmm. Let's dovetail that with this research that you're doing then. Um, mm -hmm. so what, what is the, the goal of, of the research and, and how, how do we go about doing that? Tell, tell me about the process, what it is that you're doing on a, you know, a daily or weekly basis, um, to bring that to fruition. Yeah, so, um, I, uh, the, the research will be qualitative and, and really mostly interview based. And, and my goal is to, um, to really have the participants able to share their stories. The goal is to really understand, um, what their, their trajectories are, what their pathways towards getting the jobs are. And so part of it is their life histories. And also another part of it is like what their experiences have been like as teachers and administrators. 
And um, so that one of the goals for that is to really understand what are those critical um, supports that help them to get to those positions and stay in education? And also what are barriers that they face they had to overcome? Sure. Um, some folks who identify themselves as leaders might not actually be in really formal administrative positions, but they might have gotten, gotten like a principal credential, but they, they might still be kind of on that pathway. And so understanding those experiences is, is the real goal. Um, for this work and, and in this study, as well as like, so doing that interview study and then getting them to connect with each other in focus groups and having them, you know, the idea is that I'll do these interviews, come back, have a set of findings that I'll look at in their interviews and I'll share those with the participants and say, does this ring true to you? And, and have them engage in a conversation with each other. Um, and so hopefully that will then build to what I would love at the end of the study, once I get everything analyzed and stuff, is to be able to present everything to them, the participants, in like a, a forum almost, and a big meeting where they are able to say, okay, what do we go from here? What would you want and what do you think is needed in the field to support um, leaders of color, to support more administrators of color? What, what can we do as a collective sure. so that it has this kind of action orientation from the research into them maybe starting something together, like a network. Yeah, obviously, you're not going around to different schools and just, you know, posting flyers saying, hey, we need uh, individuals <laughs> yeah. to be part of this. So, so school districts and administrators, they must be in on this. I mean, they must be wanting to be involved. They must see the issue that exists and mm-hmm. say, hey, we've identified it. Let's let's jump on board with this this research and, and see what mm-hmm. we can do to, to, to help mitigate or, or even solve the issue. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. And I think you know, folks have seen, um, you know, they've heard about the award, but they've also seen other publications. I, I'm, I'm all about sharing my research. Um, and part of it's delicate, right? Because um, while I think there's a lot of school districts very interested in this, I want to still protect the research participants. Because sure. it might be that they're talking like about something that happened in their district. So um, one way that I think about it in terms of the actual data collection is, um, having participants, uh, it's called snowball sampling, right? So the idea is that I would take a handful and we have former students, you know, that I've had in classes who are really interested in this work together um, and start out with kind of spreading and that you basically, just the snowball rolls down the hill. You keep collecting people, right, through your own participants. So that's why I'm hoping we'll, we'll get the ball started and then allowing them to decide whether or not, you know, if we do this, this idea for a network, that they want to be known. Um, later on, right? And I and I can have ways to protect them with their the, the stuff that comes out for my you know my research papers, but um, I, I think there's opportunities all around, which is why um, it's exciting because districts really are wanting to diversify the teacher population, and it isn't you know I've, I've had folks say, well, is it just because teachers or teachers or leaders of color will know how to do it better than say white teachers? And I don't think that's true at all. I think partially it's just saying when we have a diversity of voices there's benefits for everybody, right? And I, I always think about there's always, if, if we're like this big table, there's always room to like spread out, right? And, 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 and to, to, there's always opportunities for everyone. And so um, one way I see that is districts have a big incentive to try to do this because they know that there are, um, there are gaps, that we have gaps in achievement among students of color and, and they want to address that too. So I, I do know there's interest in local districts and that, 
um, folks are excited about this, this work and I, I'm just excited to get started. Well, you've gotten started and people have taken notice. Mm -hmm. There's been some coverage, obviously, in Portland with mm -hmm. the TV station in Portland. We've heard of a radio station in Seattle. We've got the, the Columbian, which is the newspaper in Vancouver, and infinitely more important, WSU College of Education's own release. Yes. <laughs> Um, about this, I would love to see some of this catch the eye in a positive way for state legislators and others mm -hmm. who are writing budgets up to help with this research. It's great research, Catherine. Do you have anything mm -hmm. else you want to add before we close? Uh, no, I mean, I just am really grateful for the opportunity to chat um, and, and also for, the, you know, the support from our, our donors. Our College of Ed donors are the ones that, that made this possible. Um, and you know, they have a vision. They want to support the legacy of George Brain and, and Gay Selby. And I think that's a big part of it. And I hope this work does that. Um, because I, I think that both of them, I mean, I never got a chance to meet uh, George Brain, obviously, but I know that he had a big legacy and leadership in the state and made things happen. Um, it was actually Dr. Selby that told me that we had got lunch the other day and she was like, you should know him because this, this is an important um, person that, that really had a legacy too. So that's what I hope will happen out of this work is that, you know, that I'm also honoring the legacy of these leaders who are going to be generous with their time and be a part of the work. Um, I do think as a, as a state we can do this together and, and we can be leaders in the, in the nation and the world around what it means to, to celebrate diversity truly, right, and to, to help folks um, be successful in our schools. So I just wanted to end with that. So thank you, though. Very cool. Catherine Rodella, the first recipient of the George Brain and Gay Selby Faculty Award in Educational Leadership, and it's awesome research being done. So, Catherine, thank you so much for joining us on Education Eclipse, and, and we're not going to forget to check back in at some point about this because it's really cool. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Brandon. You've been listening to Education Eclipse, a College of Education podcast from Washington State University. 